friends to another episode of the Open Curtain Podcast. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Mr. George Sink. He is the owner of Racket Club West in Lancaster, PA, where I live. He has won nine tennis championships in singles and doubles and has been ranked number one in the U.S. three times. Coach George is a master tennis professional. And also, I cannot say this enough that he is a great coach. I hope someday that he can coach me as well. Coach George, thank you for joining the Open Curtain Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm a, it's a pleasure to do this. Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm sure our listeners are very happy that you're here. That's exciting. First, let's start with tennis. How did you get interested in tennis? So that's a great question. So my parents actually started me, probably the same way they started you, right? So when I was six years old, my dad introduced me to tennis and it was a really cool, I was really privileged because he put a tennis court in my backyard. So when I was six years old, he built a, a tennis court in our backyard. So I, from the day one, when I saw this court outside my house, I was just so addicted to it. And I just wanted to be out there. I wanted to hit. We, he put up a backboard for me and I used to hit on the backboard just hours and hours and hours. And that's really what started the whole thing and my love for tennis. Wow, that is so cool. I started at age four. Is it difficult to become U.S. number one in tennis? You know, I think anything to become number one is not easy, right? But I think it's a hard work, pays off. And I think just the competitive part of me, I was always competitive and just really learning to be the hardest worker out there, right? I was always felt when I left the court, I always wanted to be the person that was the first one there and the last one to leave. What I noticed today, right before our podcast, I noticed that you showed up nice and early, right? To be early is to be on time. So great job with that. Thank you. That's what my parents say. Being number one is not easy. So how much hard work do you have to put in? Like how many hours of practice do you have to practice every day? So I would tell you that the average, my son is playing, Tyler is playing now professionally. I'll tell you what his schedule is. And it was probably kind of the same with mine. It was probably about four to five hours a day. The whole look of it is probably get up in the morning and usually start with a two hour hit, you know, with drills and competitive and making sure that you're playing hit and serves and things like that and hit and return of serves. And then you break. And then you come back for another hour and a half to two hour session. And then you end the day with some fitness, with another hour, an hour and a half of fitness. So it, it it's a it's a long day for a professional athlete. Yeah, that's a lot of hard work. Someday I would like to put in the work and be number one too. My dad told me that your kids play tennis too in college. Did you train them? I sure did. I sure did. We started Tyler, both Tyler and Lindsay and my daughter, Kate. We started them at five four or five years old, and they just took to the game and they loved the game. And they, Tyler especially, traveled and, and did a lot of traveling when he was a kid. You know, when 10, 11, 12 years old, he started traveling all over the world to play tennis. And then my daughter, Lindsay, also. And my daughter, Kate's funny story. My daughter, Kate, played from six to nine, and then she stopped playing from nine to 16. And then when we bought the club in 2020, she decided to start playing again. So she plays every single day now. Cool. That's like my dad. My dad trains me too. Is it difficult to go to college and play college tennis at the same time? It really isn't. I think it's part of your life. When you're, uh, when you're a tennis player growing up and you're going to school, you really learn to compartmentalize in your time. 
right? Time is everything and being an owner of your time. So understanding that, hey, I get up in the morning, I do what I need to do, and then I, I go to school and then I come home and then I play tennis. And so that same thing translates to college. So it's a beautiful transition. And I think that athletes, just in my opinion, athletes are great students and, and because they learn to prioritize time and time is everything as we know. That's really interesting, especially the part that you wake up every morning and you do lots of drills. Yeah, yeah. The, the drills are the biggest part. So I say there's three parts to being a good tennis player. Number one is that you learn to drill and, and, and really get good at the strokes. The number two is that you do fed ball drills. Fed ball meaning just that somebody, a coach or a ball machine feeding the ball to you. And then the, the last part is playing matches, right? Playing matches and being competitive during matches and playing sets in practice. And then the last part is obviously playing tournaments. Right, it is. Switching to Padel now. Can you share a little about the game of Padel and why do you like it? So I listened to your podcast about Padel. It was really cool. Um, and so... When in 2020, when we bought the club, I happened to meet the president of sort of the U.S. Padel. His name is Lee Spinagle. And Lee introduced us to the sport and said, hey, I want you to try the sport. And they're very popular in Spain. And I want you to try the sport. So I drove to Reading and I played the Padel for the first time. And again, sort of that same story that I told you when I was a kid and we, my dad bought the court in the backyard, I immediately fell in love. And I said, wow, this is an amazing sport. And I just love it. We only have about 125 courts in America today. And we're trying to build that. So I'm on a team that's sort of, sort of helping build Padel in America now. And so we decided to bring two courts to uh, RCW and we're really excited about it. So I just fell in love with it, and I think it's a great sport. I also think it's a really great sport because if you can play tennis, you can play padel too, right? That is correct, right? So I always tell people the transition from tennis to padel is super easy, right? Super easy. And it's even better because you may, I heard your podcast. You already know about this, right? You hit an underhand serve. So it takes the takes the really hard serve out of it. So you just hit an underhand serve, and then the point begins. The difference between tennis and padel at the higher level is the points become longer and it's harder to put the ball away because you're you're using the glass now for the rebound. So it's not through it on a tennis court, it's easy to put a ball away, but it's really hard in padel. Right. When did you get interested in padel? So again, when I played in 2020, then we decided to bring it over and it was just it's super exciting. Well, that's a really cool way to learn about the game. Do you think it's a game for adults or can kids play too? So I think kids can play. Have you played yet, by the way? No. Oh, so when you, when you play, you're going to just love it, love it, love it. So I think it's a great game. And I think it's also a great game for tennis players because it teaches patience. It teaches when to take a you know opportunity of, of when the ball's a little shorter in the court. It teaches you how to you know not ever say die because the glass gives you a sort of a second chance. So there's a lot of things that I think help a tennis player. I don't think I think where squat if somebody plays squash, I think it can be a little bit different strokes. Where a nice part about padel is it's sort of the same strokes as tennis. So it's really nice to play both. I'm so glad to hear that. I'd love to play padel. I know there are championships for adults. Are there any Padel championships for kids too? So right now in America, they're starting to put a kids uh, a kids program together. And there's a place in Philadelphia called Padelphia. 
get it? Philadelphia, right? And there's a place down there and they're basically starting to do some, some kids tournaments, but it's not, not a lot of them yet, but hopefully in two or three years, we're going to have a lot of, and we're going to start junior tournaments here too. I can't wait for it. As soon as I learn Padel, then I'm going to sign up for the tournament as fast as I can and go to Padelfia. I love it. I love it. What do you know about Sacaportes? Well, tell me about that. It's basically when you smash the ball, it hits the back wall or any wall, and then it goes out the side. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got it. Yeah, uh, I didn't know. I actually didn't know it's called that. You taught me something new. Um, so yeah, so that happens all the time. I would tell you that it doesn't happen until the higher level. It only happens once in a while, but the high level it happens all the time. But that's a really cool part of the sport, right? When the ball goes out and they go bet it, get it back, it's really cool. It adds a really nice spice to the to the, uh, the Padel players. Speaking of going outside the court. What do you think about going outside the court and hitting the ball in Padel? I do not know how they do that. Yeah, when I watch it, I don't know how they do it too. I've, I've been playing, I probably have played 50 times so far uh, in my life, and I haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. There was one time that I read it pretty pretty well, and I ran out there. I didn't get it, but so it's not easy to do. But once you learn how to do it, it makes the game a lot more fun. Yeah. I feel like that I will not be able to do it even when I'm really old because I can't even master an under-the-leg trick shot in tennis. You will. Trust me. You play enough, you'll get it really quick because you're a good athlete. Thank you. Do you think Padel will be as popular as tennis? So it's a really nice question and a really great question. I, I think that it has the opportunity to be the potential to be as popular as tennis. I really do. I think pickleball is sort of a big craze in, in America right now. And I think it's really cool that pickleball has some traction, which means a new, a new sport can get good traction. So I think the biggest thing is, is getting the courts here, making sure that we can put them in parks and tennis clubs and clubs all around the country, getting the courts up and ready so that people can play are going to be the biggest thing. But I do think it can be popular in, in the U.S. As popular as tennis? We'll see. Not sure. I bet it's going to get as popular as tennis soon. Yeah. My parents tell me tennis is a mind game. What do you think about Padel? I think even more so. I used to play this other sport called platform tennis. And it re it was basically instead of having the glass behind you, you had a you had a fence behind you. And so if you look it up, it's called platform tennis. And they call that the reason that they call that paddle in America. And the reason they said in paddle in, uh, in Spain, it's called paddle. It's not called padel, but in, in America, because they didn't want to get it confused with platform tennis, which is called paddle. They decided to call it padel, right? So they, that that's a big deal. So I do think that the mind is a big deal. And the reason, because it, you're not missing, you know, you have that second glass. So all of a sudden, it's more about not making errors instead of always hitting a winner. So in tennis, you take opportunities inside the baseline and try to hit winners when you can. But in Padel, there's not really any place to hit winners. When you're watching professional players play, it's hard to hit winners. So you have to work the ball and work the ball and work the ball and be super patient. So I think the more patience you have, the more it really affects the mind. So I think you really have to have a good mind. I also think that Padel is a mind game, but as well as a mind game, it's a social game. Yes, I think that's the one biggest reason that we brought it to RCW because we really wanted the social piece. 
people staying after, hanging out, having some dinner, right? Just the whole social piece is the biggest reason. And I think you're right. I think it has a really good potential to be very social. I agree. What advice would you give to someone who would like to learn Padel? So there's two types of people that I would talk about, right? The tennis player, which I think it's an easy conversion. I would tell every tennis player to play Padel. And then the second part is the pickleball players and the non-tennis players. I would tell them to also play because it's not hard to learn. It's tough to master, but it's easy to learn. And I think that's why pickleball is so popular, that it's really easy to play. So everybody can play. I think Padel has that same potential. Anybody can play and it's not that hard to to learn how to play. It's just hard to master, which is part of the fun of playing. Dear listeners, did you hear that? That was some amazing advice for players starting with Padel. Thank you for the advice, Coach George. You're welcome. Thank you for doing this. This is wonderful. What a wonderful podcast you have. Thank you. And thank you for joining my podcast. I had so much fun talking with you, and I'm sure our listeners did too. Well, thank you. I hope they did. I hope they learned something today. I learned so much. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'm sure you learned a lot about Padel. Until we talk again, stay tuned and try hitting the ball from outside the court. Bye. See you later.